0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to an exciting ARG Presents. I'm Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who knows what it's like to get down in the dirt. Give it up for the Brent. Hey, how's it going, man? What's going on? You you emerged from the murk there. Yeah, I, I found my way out of the cave system. It's scary back there. You know, we all know about Splunky, but we just learned about Flunky. There he yeah. is.
1: Something we've known about flunky for quite a while. You know,
0: that's our point. So if you joined us last week, God bless you. One of the one of the yeah, few I mean, that showed we up. I want
1: to thank both of you yes. for showing
0: up. Thank you so much for showing up last week. And you were one of the few that realized that this week we spun the wheel. We made a deal, and this week we're gonna be playing games that are decidedly bram underground. It's underground games week, Brit Now we don't mean the underground. Like, uh, uh, these guys are out spray-painting, uh, 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 stuff. We're talking no about underground. Deals. We're talking about under the earth, Brent. That's right. Now, this is an interesting topic. Uh, how, where'd we come up with this one? Is this one of yours?
1: Man, after, after 120 episodes, who knows?
0: Now, I don't, I don't know where these things come from, so if you suggested this, thank you. And if we come up with it, we're great! Uh, <laughs> what, Brent... What's your what do you what's your opinion? What's your thoughts on the underground games? Is this your cup of tea? You
1: know, well, here's something you have to realize: uh, underground games are uh, have a unique perspective in why they were programmed to be underground games. You get to take advantage of not having to worry about a background, right? Because you can just—it's black, it's dark—that all makes sense, even in modern games. Uh, when you have that underground theme, you get to turn all the brightness and stuff all way down, and that means you don't have to put as much detail into your artwork, stuff like that. It's an excuse from a programming perspective to take a lot of shortcuts that you can't do with some other games. So I think that's one reason why underground games, especially in the retro area, uh, were as prevalent as they were. Now, do I have a personal preference on the underground theme versus uh you know a city theme or uh you know a mountain theme not really uh i think a lot of it comes down to color palette and i think some games do it better than others uh for example i think when people think under, if you had to name a game right now underground theme i think most people would come up with dig dug that's exactly you the
0: first one that i think of dig dug yes
1: <laughs> And Dig Dug had all these earthly colors, you know, the, the nice hues all the way down. And it still had that were grounded in reality, top part, uh, above the ground. I think that if you're going to play an underground game, you know, to design, I think that's the way you do it. Cause it still offered a very colorful environment. It didn't just rely on the drab browns or grays. Uh, and, that so many others fall into that pitfall of doing. I agree with you on a lot of what you said. And I think another thing is just, uh,
0: there's a lot of cool, there's a lot of cool elements about, of the, of the thought of going under the ground into the earth. You know, it's a, it's a neat story element uh, that for these sorts of games, listen, I don't know about you, but I, I've been in many a cave. We're lucky in here. In, we're in West by God, Virginia, USA for a case that you didn't know, or couldn't tell about the accents. And we are lucky that in the fact that we've got tons and tons of cave systems around, man. Now, not necessarily right Man-made around our and house. Otherwise. What's that?
1: Man-made and otherwise. Well, yeah, but uh, but
0: not like not within ten miles of our house, but within fifty miles, there are caves, uh, cave Absolutely. systems. And then if you, I work in Kentucky. Kentucky's home to the one of the largest cave systems on Earth, uh, with the Mammoth Caves. I've been in all of these caves. Believe it or not. Uh, I have been through uh, many caves, probably dozen caves in my life, including every cave's got this thing. They, they, love, they love to throw this in your face. It's called Fat Man's Lament. They've all got one, where you've got to squeeze your body into this crevasse. Yeah. And I've squeezed my big old hiney through a bunch of these. I wonder if I was going to get my hiney back out uh, of these things. So in a proper cave, though, it's ripe for adventure, man. There's a place I went called Lost Caverns, where that dude like, lived in the cave for a while, and it's sort of documented. Every cave system I've ever been to has a bit where they turn off the lights in the cave and it's pitch black. They all do that bit. There's always a bit where they have a big, a big pile of rocks and they've given all the rocks hilarious names. That's something they all do. But one, <laughs> so you get to see that. And then most of the caves have an underground stream with blind fish. That's the third thing I've seen that in a bunch of caves. But the one thing they all have in common is you, you what you really want to do when you get down in there is put your hat on with the light, get a pickaxe, like a rope, and just go through and swing and go crazy, which you can't do. But in a video game <laughs> world, upon that, you can, yeah. you can... <laughs> I did it one time, but I got kicked out of the cave. <laughs> also, I realized I couldn't use a rope or climb a rope. Not good. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it does feed your mind as to what could be living down here. Hey, we played Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. You were exploring caves. Uh, so caves are sort of a uh, staple of adventure gaming, and so absolutely. You, now, when you think of underground games, what do, are there any games
1: that come to mind aside from Dig Dug that are like your favorites? Well, of course, we talked about Dig Dug. Uh, Dig Dug is is almost certainly my favorite. Uh, in a more modern setting, uh, there's a game called Spelunky, uh, where you it's a, a roguelike uh, uh, platformer where your whole goal is just to go through these cave systems and get money. Um just popped up on our video, if you're watching at home. Uh, Hero. I played the heck out of Hero on the 2600 back in the day. Yeah. I uh, thought it was a great game, great game concept. You know, you're out there, and you're just trying to rescue miners, uh, which perfect setting for it. You know, you've got to have that underground feel and atmosphere. Yeah, this, is what, this would have been the game I would have picked if I hadn't already played it love this game and it never gets old and it's,
0: it's uh, great on every system. They did a great job with hero.
1: Yeah. And like you had mentioned before, uh, exploration, a big part of underground games, uh, when you, when they're really doing them right. Um, <clears throat> you can do a lot of fear and, and horror elements, uh, that I think really, you don't have a whole lot of games that explore that. I think to the level that it could be explored, uh, I guess, like, Hunt the Wampus, would you say that hunt is the a... Hunt Wampus, of all the games to come up with. I mean, <laughs>
0: hunt the Wampus. That's,
1: you're in a cave? There's fear, what?
0: there's fear, that's for sure. If the Wampus <laughs> gets you, you're done. When I when I think of my favorite underground games, <clears throat> and, of course, I made the video we're watching, so if you're watching this, you're going to see a bunch of the ones that I picked. But uh Minor 2049er hero night stalker those are all great uh Bagman's another one I, I, I think of i like games where you go into mines I like manic miner you gotta have him in there uh yeah, i like that sort of thing so of course uh we, we have we come from a family of miners so we if we don't like mining games we would be excommunicated uh Brewster. Yeah. <laughs> uh so it's a it's definitely we can both agree it's a it's a source of uh it's it, it's a source of gaming that is probably going to go on for all times and so from, and we didn't limit ourselves here. We picked. We could have picked any mining game or underground game since the beginning of time on any system. And I'm going to start the show this week, Brentster. Because I All wanted right. to pick something. Here were my. Here's my personal... I had personal goals this week. And I wanted to pick something I never played on a system that I don't play that much that I'm just trying to get used to and, on, and play something that would uh, uh, be fun and look interesting. And so what I went with uh, was a game on the C64 called O'Reilly's Mine. <clears throat> now, yes. I I may have heard of this long ago, but I mean, I have a vague recollection of it, frankly, but I don't I didn't know what it was, and I I got to say I looked through a lot of games. I mean, I really did. My, I I started on the Amstrad, went through that, some some Spectrum stuff and uh, some Atari stuff, and I wanted to p- try something uh, on the C64, because I've got my C64 rigged up here, and I thought it would be fun to try to capture some footage from it and play some games, and so I went with O'Reilly's mind. Uh, this uh, this was published and developed by Datasoft, uh, Brent, which we actually, we've covered a ton of Datasoft stuff. They've done a zillion games back in the day. They did Clang- uh, Canyon Climber, uh, Moon Shuttle. They did Dallas Quest. Of course, you love that one. They did Bruce Lee. Then they did a lot of, uh, they did a lot of ports. Uh, Dig the Lost Tomb, Zorro, Pole Position, Goonies, Mr. Dude. They did tons of this stuff. All yep. across the multitude of different machines, man. Uh, so they they were well-seasoned. Uh, <clears throat> the original design for this particular game was by a fellow named Mark Riley. So it's O'Reilly's mind, you get it? Uh, <laughs> he, he was responsible for, among the games he did were Monster Mash, Bishop Square... And shooting arcades. I'm not particularly uh, familiar with any of those. The C64 version of this was programmed by a fellow named Al Rubin. He actually did some work on the Super Nintendo. He did Bill Walsh football. Remember that? Remember Bill yep. Walsh? When he no, was a big deal yes. with the... Uh, he was a uh, coach for the San Francisco 49ers back in the day. And then he also did the the Games Winter Edition on the C64. So that he really didn't have an extensive lineup of stuff he did. But he did those games. And the graphics were done by a uh, Kelly Day, who did graphics for Bruce Lee, Goonies, Man Copter. I love the name of that one. A uh, Puyan Zoro and Fun and s- Fun with Spelling, which, by the way, not fun. That's that's a lie. <laughs> uh, so the uh, this is a game for uh, one or two players. It's hot seat, which I, I had to check, but it is. Because I, I tried two players. I was hoping it was simultaneous, but it was not. Uh, this is also available, Brent, on the Apple II and the Atari 8-bit. Now, I've heard the Atari 8-bit is the, is the version to go with. Uh, but I wanted to try it on the C64. And this apparently came over from uh, the Atari. So, it was sort of converted over from the Atari. So, uh, this thing comes with a backstory. Alright, which I have cunningly printed here. Uh, so... This is what you've got on the inside cover of this. Prospectors and miners have made fortunes overnight, deep within the enchanting motherlode country of California. Their wild tales of buried treasures still excite a world dazzled by easy money. That's true. I'm dazzled by easy money myself. Uh, One such miner is a mad Irishman named Timothy O'Reilly. He's in search of coal, oil, gold... Rubies and diamonds. All those things. You'll guide him to the mysterious depths of the earth as he attempts to dig up hidden riches. But watch out. Deadly dangers and unknown creatures lurk there also. He's disturbed their peace during the mine shaft and now they want revenge. So basically, that sums up the game entirely. You're a mad Irishman. You're out to get rubies, diamonds, coal, oil, and gold. So he's anything under the earth, this guy's going to dig out. And that's and that's the premise of this game. So, what do you do in O'Reilly's mind if you if you're not watching along? Picture yourself picture a dig dug underground with the multiple colored layers. Picture it much smaller and picture it sc- scrolling from left to right. No, so, not
1: much smaller, much larger.
0: Well, no, I mean the, your character's smaller than dig dug. Okay. Uh, the screen actually scrolls from left to right. So you're talking about basically putting. Maybe three Dig Dug screens together. Maybe even four. And your job as O'Reilly is to go down in this mine and gather this stuff. All you have to do to gather it is touch it. And you'll see in the dirt, this is a side view, you'll see diamonds and rubies and oil. And and you can tell what they are. And your job is to go and get them. Simple. Uh, okay. Here's the, here's the bad part. Uh, when you blow, the, the very first thing that happens in this mine is, your, is a dynamite charge blows at the bottom. And when that happens, it it unfortunately taps into the local river, Brent. Every time, by the way. You think this guy would learn, <laughs> but nope. And so you've got to you've got a, a sort of an artificial time limit as this water creeps up this shaft, and you've got to go through and get all these items and get back to your home base, your your little miner's shack at the top of the hill, uh, before you are killed by water. You also have to run away from river creatures, Brent. That's pretty much what they're described as—river <laughs> monsters. Uh, you'll see these two guys, and eventually, if you get high enough at level, you'll see three guys that come after you. You're just sort of—they uh, sort of look like uh, miniaturized versions of the bad guys in *Minor 2049 or Forty-Niner*. They're little blobby dudes with like feet, basically. Like a Okay, of, I'll give you that. You know. Um, <clears throat> now, what what's the twist here? Because that doesn't sound like that did not sound that interesting on the top. Well, the the water rising in the mine is the twist in this. Um, you've got three layers of earth you're digging into. There's a dark brown layer. There's sort of a tan layer, and then there's sort of a yellow layer. For every time you go up a layer, that means the water can also rise that high. Okay. So what you've got to do is you've got to be very economical in the way. That, you are, are, that you're getting these items. You can't just go right to the top and get uh, the gold or whatever and then go to the bottom because the water will now have the ability to go all the way to that top layer. So you've got to start at the bottom and work your way up. And I mean, I learned uh, after a few games, Brent, to go all the way to the bottom of the shaft, just go right past the dynamite and dig sideways from there to try to give myself enough leeway to uh to go through and get these items now as the water goes up if you not only can it just overrun you but if you're if your tunnel intersects with an area of the, of the tunnel that's been flooded you're dead I mean, yes. we, I mean i mean if you touch it you're dead if your tunnel touches it you're dead so you've got to, and you've got to be careful how you dig your tunnel as well because the water is going to follow you. So if you mill around in one place for too long or, or just make a big X or whatever, you're screwed. You've got to be careful how you build this mine shaft, because if, it, if you cross other parts of the mine, the water can get to you quicker because it's got a quicker route to get to you. Uh, it's actually quite a sort of an ingenious uh, way to do stuff. It's funny, it's not a, a instantly obvious when you play it. Uh, But after you played it for a while, you sort of understand the game's rules. Uh, They're not apparent at first. When you started out in this, Brent, did you have any idea what was going on when you first started playing this one?
1: No. I went into this completely blind. I didn't watch any videos beforehand. I just loaded it up. And my instinct was to go up and down. So I would drill into this one side of the earth, and then go up and down, collect everything on one side, and then try to go to the other side. And every time, the water would fill up past where I couldn't get to the other side of the mine. So I, had, I stopped, I had to rethink my strategy, and I noticed that the water level, it goes up no matter what you do, right? And it goes, there's three layers of the earth, like you said, the brown, the orange, and the yellow. As soon as you go past that brown to orange part the water will go there too so you have to go left and right to the screens uh otherwise you'll cut your way off to getting to the other side of the screen yes. with the water flooding yeah and the water does not uh at first i thought oh my gosh i can't believe they added fluid dynamics into this where the water raise it no it doesn't raise the way it should uh, it gets to a point where it will raise from the source, which is the middle cavern, up past no matter how much uh, cave drilling you've done, and go up the center shaft. So it will. It's a time limit. The water is essentially a time limit. Yeah. Um, now, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, the little critters that that. Follow you around. Did you ever have any issues with them? Oh yeah, but I I I got pretty far. I, I think I did pretty well on
0: this. I got to like like a level six. I uh, think that's about where I got. And it they did. One my best attempt. One thing you've got, and we don't want to fail to mention this, is that you you do have one a weapon, uh, which is dynamite. And so what you can do if these if these river creatures are on your tail, is you can actually leave some dynamite and it'll blow them up. Uh, or. Blow rubble and put it in the way. Right. It, right, exactly. But I didn't use the dynamite a ton. Uh, the interesting thing is the dynamite is part of the is actually plays into the points. This is definitely a points game. Yeah. So you've got uh for uh, just to show you the range of points. If you if you go after if you get the oil, which is by the way it's just marked oil in a little black box.
1: Yeah, yeah, because that's how oil comes yeah. from the earth, Aaron. It's I like the, I'd
0: like to know how this guy's retrieving. What's he? What did he bring? That like a barrel with him? I think this stuff. But if you get oil, uh, you can go from a dollars fifteen hundred to five thousand bucks, gold bars two to seventy five hundred bucks, rubies twenty five hundred to eight grand, diamonds four grand to nine grand, then you've got coal, that's worth a grand. That's about right too. Where coal is the least worth thing. And then I like this, occasionally you'll come across like a, a question marks, that's uranium. It can go from a thousand dollars all the way up to seventy five hundred bucks. So your guys picking up uranium. I want to make that abundantly <laughs> clear. And then you get you get actually, uh, but the, the point I want to mention is you get a lot of money for destroying those monsters. You can get a uh, ten grand a pop, uh, which yeah. is a, a lot of money. And after a th- but they're tough, yeah. They're and tough after a hundred grand, you get an extra man. Now, <clears throat> uh, um, the dynamite element. for every, every unused dynamite, you also get money. So you get money back from that. I didn't use dynamite all that much. But I would say part of the reason is because I, for a long time, I didn't exactly understand what it was for. You know, like you said, at first the river monsters aren't that annoying, but after you get hot and heavy, they do come at you a lot. They're a lot more annoying. they they really will come at you. It's an interesting element to the game because it provides a uh, someone to keep you moving even though the water is not to your level yet. So it uh, uh, sort of was a needed element, and it works. I think it works pretty well.
1: Yeah, uh, a few aspects you didn't uh, mention, the things you can pick up. Uh, every once in a while, the the game will throw in uh, a skull and crossbones. Yes. And you, if you pick it up, that will kill you. There's also uh, score multipliers uh, that you can pick up times two, times three. I think it goes up to times four at the later levels, but don't quote me on that. Um, and another thing that keeps this fun is the score element is money. Yeah, and I don't. That just ticks something in the brain. It's more fun to get to earn money as your score, as just generic points. At least it's always been that way for me. I I agree with you on the money. Uh, There's something.
0: There's something to seeing that dollar sign in front of your score. It's true. I don't know. I was the same exact way. I don't know what. I don't know what it is about that. You know. I gotta say, overall, I really enjoyed this game. Uh, All things considered. I thought it was different. We should also mention uh, that the uh, the as the moon rises, the monsters uh, become a, like they 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 basically are tougher, quicker. That uh, this is a, this has sort of a day night element to it, which is bizar- yep. bizarre. but you you're up in the sky, you'll see the moon come up. So even they there were a lot of moving parts uh, that they put together in this. And overall, like I said, I found it a pretty enjoyable game. What, what did
1: you think? I mean, is this one that tickled your fancy? Uh, I did enjoy the game. Uh, The control... There is a slight control element issue. Uh, The game doesn't want you to dig two tunnels right next to each other. Uh, And it avoids you doing this by just not letting you. So, if you try to cut too sharp in on yourself, it just won't let you dig through the earth and you have to scoot over uh, in the invisible grid that it has to be able to dig through. Yeah. it almost reminded me I- of
0: nibbler in a way. There was some, there was some. It, it sort of affected how you could actually go. Like it, it, there were some things you, there were some
1: elements you just could not make a certain. You couldn't go a certain spot, or you couldn't Correct. get there. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. The game actually prevented you from going. It, it wanted you to stay on its grid lines, and it wouldn't let you deviate. Um, but overall, I had a lot of fun with the game. Uh, I didn't play this for you know. 10, 20, 30 hours. It's not that type of game. You play this game, you load it up, you can play it for uh, 45 minutes and get a good feel of what everything the game has to offer. And if you play it for, I think I played it for about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, I got to the point where I felt like I was getting good. Uh, and I wanted someone to play against. This is a decent high score game. The only issue with it is uh, every once in a while you can be moving along and you'll be heading towards an item, and it will just randomly change into Skull and Crossbones. It's not and,
0: random. I, don't, I, think that's, I think it may have something to do with the night cycle and the thing.
1: Well, there might be a timing element, but it's not a timing element that I could figure out. So for me, it was random. And I died that way uh, on my best game. I was running toward an object to pick it up, and it just time element slash random turned into skull and crossbones that Yeah, killed my last life. Fact, and I was very upset by that. Buck Owens um, confirms that it's a night cycle thing. That's what I thought it was. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you, you've um, learned something. So that was uh, uh, a little annoying, but overall a lot of fun. Uh, I do like, uh, the elements of collecting the stuff and the, your, your helpers, your guys on the surface won't lower the ladder. For you to get out of the mine until you've collected everything. That
0: is the worst when you get up there and you've <laughs> and you've missed one oil or something and you get up there to leave and he won't open the, they won't open the door, uh, they won't lower down the ladder. Uh, I, I like that. I, you know, I, I I personally thought this is a lot of fun. I, this is the kind of game I dig. I want to try it on the Atari since they said that's. the... I will say we should mention this has a, a an awesome opening screen. And a nice, a real great musical great tune, opening tune that yeah. plays when this game starts. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I was bebopping around. Of course, listen, it's a C64, brother. If it's if this thing could pump out the tunes like few machines could. Overall, I was real pleased with the old uh, with the old uh, game overall. Now, I did look up the scores on this thing. Uh, Lemon gave this a score of uh, seven point six. Pretty decent score. Uh this is uh, That's the C sixty four C sixty four lemon. Score for the C64 you. Lemon. Um, the uh, uh, I looked up a few others. CVG gave this a ninety out of a hundred. Honest gamers. These are more modern uh, reviews. Uh, 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 they gave it a, uh, a three and a half out of five. Uh, we did get a uh, we did get a uh, listener review on this one. Uh, Graham W Webkey chimes in. Uh, this is uh, this is a tough game, and I loaded this up. On the mister, and both my eldest daughter and myself enjoyed this game a lot. It has elements which reminded me of Dig Dug and Pipe Mania in, in the way it plays. I didn't think about Pipe Mania. The secret of the game, I think, is learning how to best to control the flow of the water with your mining route, but the water flows harder and faster each level. The only real issue with this game is the scrolling screen, which doesn't quite let you plan the full route to take to collect everything. But perhaps that's planned to get you trapped. My daughter got the level four, and she likes it. I think also because she beat me eight out of ten, <laughs> <laughs> which is which I love that. So one other
1: element of this, Aaron, uh, when you are scrolling the screen left or right, yeah. it does let you go uh, to about three fourths of the screen before it starts scrolling. Yeah, uh, I kind of wish that was a little more centered, uh, but. I did. This is definitely something. I wouldn't go out and buy a C64 for this, but this game is certainly something. It's easy enough to emulate that you should go out and give it a look. I
0: do like that the ends of the earth, uh, as far as you can dig, are according to the documentation, there are fissures in the earth. It's as far as you can go. And in the game, there are just these cracks that go down the sides of the screen. (laughs) I dug it, man. I looked this up on the eBay. You can get the disc for this for the C64 for fifteen bucks, and you can get the complete tape. Uh, and for 23 bucks in the U.K., this was a tape game, as most of them were over in the U.K. Uh, I didn't see any boxed copies of this. I just saw the disc. So I don't the box must be a little bit more difficult to find. So, Brent, what do you have to
1: bring to the table this week? Well, I, we agreed that we wouldn't do uh, an arcade game. And as soon as I saw the spin on the wheel, I knew what I wanted to play, uh, which was Ant Eater. But that's an arcade game. So I ended up going with Artie the Aardvark. Which is completely different from Anteater. <laughs> wink, wink. You okay? <laughs> um, for those who don't know, uh, Ant Eater never got a port to any console. That's amazing to me. Isn't it? It had a uh, 2600 port done, but it was never actually released. And the game was... Uh, designed by Chris Obert. And he uh, was originally a computer game maker. Made a lot of Apple II stuff. Then went, did some arcade stuff. And uh, after Ant he- Eater, which was probably his biggest arcade hit, moved back to uh, computers. And he was like, you know what, this sucks. Mm. I want to be able to play this on my Apple II. So he just said, eh, I'm going to rewrite the game. Instead of an Anteater, I'm going to have an Aardvark. And Artie the Aardvark was born. And Artie is exactly 100% the same as uh, Anteater for the arcade with just a few different graphical tweaks. But the gameplay elements are all the same. Uh, in the game, you are a Aardvark and you are eating out of a giant ant hill. And uh, to do this, you just stick your tongue in the ground and wiggle it around. So it's sort of a maze game where you control the tongue and you have to go, uh, you know, four, five, six layers down into this predetermined maze to eat all the ant larvae. And the enemies in the games are the ants themselves. They will actually go and try to bite Artie's tongue. And if you do that, you lose a life. Uh, The other elements of the game uh, are worms, which worms don't care if you're eating ant larvae. Uh, They just crawl on by. But if you try to eat a worm from the front, he'll sting you, and you'll lose a life that way. Uh, This game, much like the game we just talked about, also has a day and night cycle. What are the odds? And the way it works in this game is... Once night falls, spiders will start coming into the ant maze. And spiders will climb to your tongue and then start climbing down your tongue, whichever path that you have chosen. And once it gets to the end of your tongue, it will sting you and you'll lose a life that way. Uh, Artie has one other trick that if he eats one of the queen ants at the very bottom of the maze, there's usually two of them. Uh, It will clear out all the other enemies in the game. Uh, So you'll be able to do that instead of trying to have to get all the way back to the top to eat an ant that maybe uh, will be approaching from the side. This was a brilliant game. One of my absolute arcade favorites uh, that I didn't actually play in the arcade. It was something (laughs) I discovered uh, on MAME well after the fact. Yeah, because you would have
0: been real small when this was out. This was absolutely
1: so I uh played this game to absolute death when I first found it on MAME. And it's such a simple concept. You you know how the enemies can attack. You know the ants are gonna come from the side and just bite and they just they don't speed demon across. They just are going about their business. And they see that you've invaded their ant hill and will bite you. Uh, it's a it's a maze collect all the dot games with the most perfect twist that you're using your tongue to gather up all the larvae or dots in this case, you know, where essentially are dots. Uh, and the scoring element makes it a perfect high score game. Uh, just all around fun to play. It also has one of the most unique buttons or button functions of any arcade game or console <laughs> game or computer game i have ever had, and that is the tongue retract button. Yes. Uh, as you're going through this <laughs> maze, you get your tongue real far down there, and if you've got an ant if you know up towards the top, that thing's going to get you if you don't get back to the top quickly. So you can actually just hit the button, and you will automatically retract your tongue at lightning speed. Uh, it adds just enough strategy to the game to make it amazing. Uh, I'm sure you've played this one before in the arcade, Aaron. Let's talk about the arcade version real quick first. Hey, did you enjoy uh, Ant Eater in, when it was out in the arcade? I, I loved this in the arcade, actually, when it came out. It's not when I played like tons and tons,
0: but I remember I remember seeing it and thinking to myself, man, that's a brilliant, what a great idea. The, again, the, the games of this era. Now, which I believe this would have been in the arcades that were like eighty two, eighty one, something like that. Yes. 82. And and the, they were just trying every wacky I mean, who thought this up? I just love it. It's such a great idea, uh, for a maze game. I mean, the and the the fact that you retract your tongue like like you're pulling the cord back to a vacuum cleaner is always amused me. You're right, the tongue retract button. It, that is a oddity amongst arcade games, probably the only one ever. Uh, so I had played this quite a bit, the arcade version. Just a fun game. So when you picked this, I had a pretty good idea what I was getting into. I didn't realize the backstory, which makes it even better. I did wonder about your choice. I understand why you chose it now. Because the Apple II is not something we've touched upon that much. But i got to tell you, uh, when this loaded up, after I eventually got it to load, uh, I was real
1: impressed. I mean, it looks good. I mean, it looks yeah. real good. Uh, yeah, and, for, and... For the time, and this was the original thing that uh, Chris had programmed it for, uh, and he wanted to make the C64 version, but someone basically beat him to it. Yeah, this game, uh, there, there are tons of
0: different versions of this game. I mean, like you said, there were no, I, I, I never, I could have sworn that there was a 2600 version of this, but apparently one had never been made. got released. Yeah, I, but I, I don't know if I ever played it. But I mean, you would think. Uh, the, it, it would This game was... I thought it was a pretty popular game in the arcade. Maybe it was I remember seeing it on Star Arcade, too. So, I mean, I assumed it was pretty popular.
1: It it actually <clears throat> uh, had decent results uh, for arcade sales. Yeah. But I always thought this was a big hit, and it was not. Yeah. It was considered a, a mediocre hit. Well, you know, I
0: know there... It was big clone. There's a game I had played, I'm, I think, on the Atari called Oil's Well. You know, like, all's well that ends well. Yes.
1: For and, Sierra.
0: Yeah, yeah. I oh, was it Sierra? I can't remember who made it. But anyway, I remember playing, and there's there's not, there's not, more than this. I think even the Coco has like an aardvark knockoff. Uh, but uh, uh, you're right. When I think back, I remember playing those games at home, but not actually playing this game. Uh, this is, I, I, I was real impressed. I mean, this plays just like the arcade. They really, and it's clean too. Yes. It's clean. The The maze is sharp. Everything acts like it should. And uh it's uh it it works well. Your tongue I think doesn't come back as quickly as it does in the arcade, which uh uh but that just could be my I've played the arcade versus this for quite a while. But your tongue retraction was not uh as fast as I'd like it to be, that's for sure. But everything you're like you said, the ants, the queen ants and stuff that, that sort of freeze everything, it all it's all there. Uh but I was impressed with everything about this game, to be honest with you. The control's I, okay. I mean I was given impressed my with control. I didn't have an Apple II here. Well, I thought I'm, the sound was very poor. This I will say the arcade has that cool uh, uh, little tune that plays when you start the game. Uh, King of Mount uh, Mountain Hall, King. Is that what that is? Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, but I mean this this could have been an arcade game like this. The way this looks, you could have put this in an arcade in '82 and it would have been fine. I mean it's uh, I I was surprised.
1: Uh, yeah, and Chris, uh, who's unfortunately has passed uh, back in 2012. He actually stuck with gaming for quite some time. Uh, he, after coming back home, he did uh, worked on games like uh, uh, the Boulder Dash port for ColecoVision. Uh, he did Winter Games. He worked on that Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, but here's a crazy one, Aaron. He worked on Time Killers. No kidding. Of all games. Oh, yeah. So he was someone. He's got that... cred now. He started early in the uh, uh, making games and pretty much made games his entire life uh, until, like I said, his unfortunate passing from a long illness in 2012. He's one of these unsung heroes, uh, and, and gaming's full of them. They're absolutely full of them who got into this on the ground floor or very low. You know, when gaming was brand new and came up with concepts that were new and exciting and fun and really drove gaming to where it is today. Uh, I'll, You know, people like this don't get nearly as much credit uh, as they probably should, and it's, it's unfortunate. But Anteater, one of my absolute personal favorites, and Artie the Aardvark, although it has incredibly creepy box art. Yes, it uh, does. That box art...
0: Someone it's stylized as hell. I mean, someone Roy really went to work on that, but I mean, it is weird looking.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely weird looking. Uh, but you know, this is a great home port, and he really did himself and the game, uh, justice. And like I said, like you had mentioned, Sierra uh, did oil wells, which is the exact same game. Yeah. Uh, for all intents and purposes, there's a bunch
0: of those. I
1: wonder and. why they didn't actually like, try to like. I mean, he if they
0: had the guy that did An Eater and you did the game, why would you not just get the license for it? That's why I can't. I mean. It, I mean maybe you just didn't think it was worth spending the money on or whatever, but I mean it's there. All you did
1: is put the license on it and you'd have the exact same game, you know? Uh the the question is 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 that Aunt Eater name really gonna make a difference? Well I, I mean, don't think it would. Yeah, you might you might
0: be right. I do, I should mention as we we're looking at it here, the opening credit screen where he spells his name out with his tongue. I found amusing yes. as well. Yes. <laughs> very it's, bizarre. it's
1: it's tough to say. To figure out it says already, but it yeah. definitely does. <laughs> uh, on the Ebays, this uh, sells for about 26 bucks. Whether you're looking for the taped version or the disc version, uh, those are for the T- Atari systems and uh, the C64. I could not find an Apple II version uh, listed on eBay, even in its closed auctions. You can be um, sure it'd be pricey. Almost certainly. (laughs) I, 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 if you're going to play this game, um, I think the Apple two is a fine way to do it. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you want to take a look at the arcade version, that would be where I would go. I wouldn't buy this game. I don't think, uh, unless I was going to set up like to play with others, to set up high score tournaments or whatnot. That's really what this game needs. um, your buddies to play with to compete for high scores. But I've always, this has always had a, a a place in my heart as something I played to death on MAME once I found it. Did we have any user reviews on this, Aaron? We sure did. Of course, our good buddy, The Graham, chimes in here. Uh, Graham
0: writes, uh, Even growing up with an Apple II, I had never played this before. The instant oh. the instant I started playing this in the Mister, I thought this game was looks a lot like the game Oilswell in the c 4 There you go which is a spin off of the Anteater arcade game. The game is actually closer to the arcade game and is tough as nails. I only passed level 1 a single time, and that was more oh luck my. than skill. It's too frustrating to have long replay value, but this game mechanic, if fine for a quick game here and there, my eldest daughter thought this was frustrating, especially how some creatures could run through your tongue and others couldn't. 6 out of 10. I did better than that, I will say. I... 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 I I could get a couple levels in. I've, of course, I've played a lot of Anteater over the years, uh, and I I thought it was I thought it was played a pretty fair game, all, all things considered. Uh, but uh, you know, I can understand that. I will say this: not there's a reason not to own this game, and it's that creepy, that creepy art. I don't think <laughs> I'd, I don't think I'd want to look up on the shelf uh, every day and, and see and see that set there. That so, is a little brutal. I will admit. I will say I, I enjoyed uh, looking through these uh, these great games to take place underground. I mean, there, we could have done. Fifty shows on these, because there's a lot of great games that that you play from that from that angle, and it was uh, I really had a lot of fun uh, delving into it. Something else I have a lot of fun delving into, Brent. It's the wheel. Let's fire this oh. sucker up. Let's yes. fire this sucker up. now. Here's what we've added this week, uh, y'all. Uh, we've got chat choice is back. So if you're in the if you're in the uh, chat room, this is where you need to have your thinking go on. Uh, we've also added in our uh, classic system the Intellivision, Brent. The Intellivision is back uh, and, for, for one week only.
1: And, of course, we have to remind folks that uh, Sinclair, Atari 1200XL, and TRS-80 are locked into the wheel. They're into locked. at least uh, Thanks for Giving Marathon. Yeah. So if it comes up, we are going to play them, and it stays there. All
0: right. You ready? Here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. <gasps> That's
1: my wheel grunt. And the winner is You know you're gonna hurt yourself on that wheel someday. Oh good God.
0: It's the Watara Supervision. Brent, what in God's name is this thing? The Watara Supervision? Where did you come up with this one? There it is. The Watara Supervision. I, I didn't do it. Give us some background on the Watara, Brent, if you if you may.
1: Uh well it apparently is spelled with a w. Um uh, super's pretty keen. I wish I had some supervision.
0: Ooh, I've got supervision.
1: Um yeah, I guess we'll have to see what this is. This is, is
0: going to be one of those weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Brett told me the funny <laughs> games were over and he was not kidding. with the, I don't I don't even remember putting this on the wheel. The Watara supervision. I've never heard of this we've had we've had pretty good time with these things we've never heard of uh, so we'll have and let's hope we can get some stuff for it the Watara supervision will be next week's uh, will be next week's wheel choice uh, Brent we want to uh, thank everyone that's uh, joined us today you want
1: to give us some shout outs <clears throat> yeah let's run down to who we got in uh, chat here first of all I want to say a special lurker thank you to aggressive Sock. Because you can never have enough so aggression disturbing. in your socks. Yes, I agree. Uh, we got some other lurkers we got is Crazy Cynical. Boy, you were in the right place. <laughs> uh, Duke Hudson. Uh, oh, we got Curtis. He didn't say anything, but I see him sitting there in chat. Rubber Slayer, because you, you that rubber man, evil stuff. Uh, and Vertigo Pros. Just for a little bit of our lurker call out, you know. Luke, now you've got our... boat doing that. Now
0: he's he, he <laughs> did that with amigos. He's calling out the lurkers. You guys are pulling these lurkers out in the light. They don't like
1: it. Uh, and then for actual chatters, we got Picard, we got Buck Owens, we got Geo's Lake, Mitts, Froto, Nl, Hermski has made an appearance. The slow Norris. Oh, a slow slowing. <clears throat> Great. Uh, my. My lovely wife, who also gifted a sub to Hermsky on her uh, uh, visit to the chat. Paul Kitching had some things to say today. Uh, Pixels at Dawn was here. Uh, so pretty good crowd. Yeah. Zuber Dan. I like Super <laughs> Dan. I like it. And Johnny Renegade, which started out our huge discussion and made the show a little bit late. Yeah, we
0: don't blame you, we love you. We may have to put up the live feed this week so we can go over all this one-up. We haven't done that before. No, we don't. We don't have to do that. Hey, uh, we'd like to thank everybody for showing up. Uh, If you want to catch any of the episodes of ARG Presents, any or all are available on anchor.fm. And if you feel so inclined, you can also support the show through Anchor FM and any of your support we do appreciate uh, Brent again uh, to close this thing up we've got the Watama Supervision next week uh, sure we do Any, any I part, hope we do <laughs> any final thoughts before we take this thing to the house I,
1: I wish that wasn't on the wheel but the wheel has spoken
0: that's right That if there uh, never a more ringing endorsement to watch next week's ARG presents than that so everyone <laughs> take care of yourselves out there and until next week,
1: Wahama! Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. We want to say hello to all of our Twitch followers, our YouTube subscribers, and our podcast listeners. We'd like to also say a special thank you to all of our Anchor.fm supporters. Hermsky, Anthony Jarvis, Chris Foles, John Schaller, Frodo NL, Gary Heather, Graham W. Vetke, and Terry Howard. You guys rock. Would you like to help ARG keep on spinning? You can become an Anchor.fm supporter at anchor.fm slash ARG presents. Don't want to have to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. Just leave us a positive review on the Apple Podcast or Spotify Network. A well deserved kudos goes out to Duncan Styles for all of our vector graphics and Barkbit for our closing theme. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next week, 9 a.m. Sunday, EDT.